This is NFL.com's Coaches Show Podcast. 40 men together can't lose. This is why you lift all them weights. Everybody's driving out there. Nobody's got them. And now we're going. There's a gleam, men. There's a gleam. Hey, I'm Brian Billick here with Steve Mariucci on this week's Coaches Show Podcast. How does Calvin Johnson stack up against the best wide receivers in NFL history? Speaking of wide receivers, we'll tell you why the Cowboys are mishandling the Des Bryant situation. Plus, Denver's head coach John Fox joins the show to discuss Peyton Manning's health and will review the first half of the NFL season. The Coaches Show podcast starts now. Before we get started, I notice my, my picture is no longer there. I've been replaced by a monkey. What are you telling You're me? You're out. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is more than a monkey. Wait, let me grab it. This is in my second place bocce ball trophy here. Oh, but you bocce, know what? I should have known. No, but li- no, listen, forget all the Hall of Fame guys we have on the set and all your Super Bowl rings. How many guys on the network have a beanie baby named after them? Look at this. Wow. Let me zoom that in. Can you see that? The it's mooch a mooch beanie baby. beanie baby. Huh? Wow. There's no Billick Beanie Babies. I'll promise you You're that right, right now. All, huh? all I got was a, a Billick bobblehead, and people were using it with their 7-iron to, to knock yeah, it off. Yeah, they just so. the head. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that's that. Mooch, I was fortunate enough. I did the Dallas Cowboy-Detroit Lion game, and I tell you, I got no shame in telling you, I got a man crush on Calvin Johnson. This is the consummate Calvin Johnson. Obviously a fantastic catch. You knew it had to be Calvin Johnson to kind of get the thing started. You'd have no problem telling the quarterback, what are you doing throwing up a jump ball down the middle of the field with two defenders all over? Well, because you've got Calvin Johnson. Yeah, hey, I mean, to watch that's a that. good call. Well, that's you know what? Call. And they're all big receivers, but you could see the evolution of the game. First, they put Brandon Carr on it. Well, that's not good enough. Well, then we're going to, you know, we're going to put Barry Church over the top. Well, that's not enough. We need to get another linebacker, another DB. And, and uh, you know, Matthew Stafford's told me many, many times, I had, this is Matthew Stafford talking now, he said, I had to get used to the fact that two or three guys on Calvin Johnson doesn't mean he's covered. Hmm. I know, throw it up there. And he out jumps. He's 6'5", right? And so remember that a couple years ago, and then now they're doing it to Tony Gonzalez, that vice. Boom, two guys just jam him at the line of scrimmage. You're going to see some of that upfield because you got to stop that guy from getting started and because he's so fast and big and strong and tall and great hands. You know, you and I have both coached very good receivers, you know, uh, the Randy Mosses and Chris Carters, and I had Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens. This guy is making a case for being mentioned with that bunch, and I think he should be. He's great. And the only thing, Brian, that he's missing right now is some longevity. This is, what, seven years now for him? And some playoff wins and some Super Bowls and some of those things that he hasn't experienced just yet. But this guy is a great wide receiver. Well, let's talk about those guys in reference to Calvin John, because you're right. This guy is a 6'5", 42.5-inch vertical jump. 435 speed, uh, great, great hands, intelligent, classy guy. You talk about the yeah. anti diva. Now, I had Randy Moss, again, great size, great leaping ability. I think the thing that distinguishes Randy Moss from a Calvin Johnson was Calvin Johnson will tell you, I want the jump ball, but I got to gather myself a little bit. He and Matthew Stafford understand where that thing has to be. Randy Moss could do it on a dead run. And, and launch himself up, had great hands. I don't think he was physically as strong as Calvin Johnson, but obviously imposing. What about Jerry Rice? How did, what, in comparison, to what would make Jerry yeah. Rice so great for you? 
Jerry Rice wasn't as big as Calvin Johnson, but he was a great runner. runner. He had great hands. Uh, he um, he had great quarterbacks. He had Joe Montana. Right. And not two right? Hall of Famers. That's not bad. Steve and Young. Steve Young. And, and you know what? This Matthew Stafford kid, he can sling it too. I think they're growing up together uh, with some fame out in front of them. But, uh, you know, Jerry, to compare, it's almost sinful here in the Bay Area. Right. Brian, you know that. You've been up here to compare anybody to Jerry Rice, all right? That's almost taboo. But, you know, Jerry played for 20 years. And so Calvin Johnson's off to a fantastic start. He's bigger, faster, stronger. We know that. Um, And he's going to get better. And if he stays with a Matthew Stafford, you know, the sky is the limit for their passing game. And with the rules that they are now, nobody's bumping, you know, uh, receivers downfield anymore like we used to get back in the day. And that, that's probably where the conversation could go. You know, Reggie Bush came out afterwards and said, Calvin Johnson's the greatest ever. And you love that. You love that the, your teammates love you that way. But that would probably be the argument if, if he has longevity. And let's say they can get some championships and we look at the numbers. Because we know when it comes to receivers, it's always going to be about numbers. But that's probably going to be the barroom conversation. You know, the, the you-know-what part of the argument where it's, yeah, but Calvin Johnson was much more protected. Because Randy Moss, mm-hmm. for the majority of his career, and certainly all of of uh, Rice's career, those were a different set of rules. And I don't think we can minimize that because it's a totally different game now. Well, I've heard Warren Sapp say well, it's a lot of things. But one <laughs> thing that he <laughs> one thing that he says, the NFL has created an Audubon between the numbers where you can just run fast and you're protected and everybody's running through there with, with no fear. And like you said, used to be when Jerry Rice would attack the middle, safeties would look for that guy and they would make a statement and then he would get clobbered. All those guys, you know, 10, 20 years ago would get hit and, and all the way through their route running and, and they weren't protected. There was no such thing as a defenseless receiver. So you, you had to bring some courage to the game, too, to catch the ball over the middle. And now they're a little more protected. Nevertheless, we still, uh, boy, I, I, I'll turn that TV on and watch Matthew Stafford throw it to Kelvin Johnson any day that you're he got paid good money. Right. As I was watching, I was on the flight here to L.A. and I was watching the the uh, Minnesota and Green Bay game. And we all know how much we all love Aaron Rodgers and his ability to put that ball on a covered receiver in just that spot. Tell you what, Matthew Stafford made a couple plays, not just down the stretch, with that trail defender. You know what? He won't see it if I put this right in behind his ear. You know, and in behind and Calvin to get there. And that throw to Chris Durham to set up the big 40-yard gain, he got flushed out to the right, threw back against a cover two corner, and the safety running on, he put that thing like it was like in a Madden game. It just put it like a laser beam exactly where it had to be. That ball, shoom. And you know what, Durham, they were roommates together over there at Georgia. Are you kidding me? That's that's a fun story. And that got that last drive, of course, going right before – Megatron caught that other ball. Stafford what a also, finish. Stafford reminds me a little bit. We, we saw it and, and showed it a couple times in the game of one of your old boys, uh, Brett Favre. He's very Favre-esque. Sometimes he'll get that little yeah. sidearm thing going. Like, that's yeah. the only angle I can have and whip that thing. And how about the last play of the game, the presence of mind to kill, 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 kill and be the only one on the field going, you know, you know what, I got another idea. I think I'll score with it. Talked to him after the game, and I said, that's as smart of play as I've seen a quarterback make in a long, long time. And, and uh, everybody in the stadium thought it was going to be a clock, a little boring clock, stop the clock, and then you're going to get fired up for the next play. Oh, no, he saw something. He says, let's just finish this right now. And, and the Dallas defensive line and linebackers weren't really ready for that. 
Hey, the Lions' offensive line wasn't ready for that. It, it was really a headsy play by a very smart and confident Matthew Stafford. Let's, let's flip it over here because we got to talk about on the other side of the field, Des Bryant. And let's begin with phenomenal talent, made some big-time plays, like not quite as many as Calvin Johnson, but he made some big-time plays in that game, that one on the goal line contorting back with the one-arm catch, much like the Chris Durham catch on the sideline, the corner and the safety converging. He pulls it out, turns, runs down into the end zone, touchdown. Phenomenal athlete. But we also saw very Des Bryant-ish, the blow up on the sideline, and I'm going to preface it by saying, and I know there's a lot of opinions on this, and I understand emotion. We've both been there. And I understand the playing going off, and I understand the, the emotion of the game and the passion of the game. But I tell you what, I'll, I'm just going to say it right now, and I said it on air. Des Bryant is going to cost this team dearly, and it will likely get his head coach fired if they don't get this thing under control. Yeah, uh, this, this, this discussion could be very juicy because uh, when I was watching that, Brian, and, and that you had the game, you called it. Very well, by the way, but um, boy, it brought me back to times where I coached Terrell Owens for six years, and there were great times, and there were those kinds of times, too, and I will say this, it's not good for a football team, it certainly isn't good for your starting quarterback, or any of the coaches that he's having a, having a confrontation with, it isn't good for Dez, or his future, and it was really unfortunate. I was watching it, and I was just saying, just stop. You need to stop because this is going to be, this is going to be all we talk about all week. And, and there it went again at the end of the game, and Jason Witten, as the captain, tried to calm it down, and DeMarcus Ware tried to calm him down. And then what I, what I, I really frown upon is when a guy goes off like that on his coaches and a quarterback or a teammate, and says, I'm just being passionate, uh, and, and I just want to win, and I'm saying all the right things. I'm not being negative. I'm being po- I There's something missing there. And, and uh, you know, I, I think they're going to have to make some decisions. Do they want to sign Des? He's a great player. We know that. That's not the discussion. The discussion is he's got a short fuse, and do you want to continue with that? Because is that, a, is that a good thing for the football team? You know, likewise, I had a Chris Carter, Hall of Fame player, the difference being this, and we all know Chris could kind of go crazy at times and, and the histrionics <laughs> and whatever. But I told Chris early in our relationship when I was his coordinator and was that, look, you want to come over and in a dispassionate, focused tone, tell me I'm as screwed up as Hogan's goat. I'm a terrible play caller. <laughs> Why aren't I doing this? Why aren't I doing that? I'm over here. That's fine. I'm, I'm fine. But the minute you start ranting and raving, the minute you show me you're out of control, then I'm, I'm just, you know, talk to the hand, you know, because I'm not listening because you're not doing, any, doing me any good. That's the thing that Des Bryant I don't think gets. I don't think Terrell Owens got it. I don't think Chad Ochocinco got it. That, and you and I know and these guys know it takes a lot to win a game in the National Football League. And any time you're not part of the solution, any time, any second you're not helping – to beat a team, you're part of the problem. And I understand the emotion of it, but you have got to have the maturity to get that thing under control. And then to compound it, what I'm concerned about, and you're right about the decisions to be made, when Jerry Jones, the owner, and I know you're trying to support your players, but basically condones and enables him, then how does Des Bryant now 
when the coach or his other players, his teammates, try to get him to see the light of day, well, look, no, the owner says I'm fine. The owner says he agrees with that, so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and you, you said a mouthful just now saying I talked to Chris Carter, and, and that's what has to happen there because you got too many people trying to defend him right now. Jerry Jones is publicly. Tony Romo did a good job publicly on his press conference, uh, you know, defending him and making light of it. And, and I'm sure Jason, same thing. But they need to have a conversation behind closed doors and set the, set the record straight because going forward, this is going to be very detrimental. And here's the other thing, Brian. Oh, this started on Monday. This started the week right. right of the game when he started comparing himself and competition with Calvin Johnson. Okay? If Dez or anybody else will compare themselves to Calvin Johnson or emulate Calvin Johnson, you know, and Dez is pretty close. He might be second, third, fourth, whatever receiver he is. He's not first, but he's in this discussion of the best receivers in the league. But emulate him not only on the field, but emulate Calvin Johnson on the sideline, emulate him in the weight room, on the practice field, out in public, in the mall, all, you know, all the charity events that Calvin Johnson does. That's where you emulate the entire package, not just try to catch a touchdown pass because he caught a touchdown pass. And so, you know, the standard's been set by Calvin Johnson on and off the field. And if Des or anybody else wants to try to emulate that, take the whole package and emulate that. Yeah, and you lived it. I'll put a cap on this one saying that all that aside, whether it's Terrell Owens, whether it's Chad Ochocinco, the thing that I would underline is the thing that those guys don't get. And we know they're not bad guys. You know Terrell Owens is not a bad guy. Chad Johnson is, and Chad Ochocinco is not a bad guy. What they don't understand is, and it's certainly not their sole responsibility that neither one of them has played on a championship team, but they're part of that process. The distractions that they provide is just that one little straw that breaks the camel's back because it's so hard to win in this league. And when you're having to deal with that as a head coach and as a teammate, it is just it is too, too tough. So yeah. well, let's, I, I want to talk about one of the things because, again, this is the coach's show, and I think we can bring a perspective to some of the decisions. A lot of key decisions in that game, but the one at the end, I, I really, as my coaching hat went on going, boy, what would I have done here? Let's set it up. Obviously, Dallas has taken control of the game. They're marching down the field. They're ahead by three points. They got a third down. They're outside of field goal range. So the question is, what are you going to do? The clock is winding down, so the clock is important here because if I'm going to give the ball back to Detroit, I want as little time as possible. They run the ball. They run a sweep outside. There ends up being a holding penalty. The run ends up getting down to the 15-yard line or the 20-yard line. Very obviously makeable field goal. But there's a penalty, a holding penalty. Now, here's a dilemma for us. Jim Schwartz has to decide, okay, do I take the penalty, back them up, and they're out of field goal position, but I'm going to lose some time. I'm going to lose probably 30, maybe 40 seconds total by the time they, whatever they do on third down, maybe they run it to get the clock down, then they punt or whatever. Or do I decline the penalty, capitulate the field goal, now I'm down <laughs> by six, and I'm going to be at about a minute. Let's talk well, about that yeah. thought process. Yeah. yeah, you almost lost me there. Okay, so we're going <laughs> to – let's capitulate the field goal. Okay, now listen. You know, gee, I, and that was all on Jim, and, and you got to make that decision fast. It's yeah. not like you can talk to all your guys, okay? you got to figure it out fast. And he didn't want to give them another down, period, 
because that down was certainly going to use a lot of time yep. on the clock. They were already out of timeouts. Um, had, had, they, had they had two, two timeouts left or whatever, maybe accepts that penalty, backs them up, and then, and then uh, they can tie it with a field goal when they get the ball back. But I think that was a good call on Jim's part because he said, I decline it. I'll go ahead and kick this field goal. It gives us over a minute to go get a touchdown in this game with no timeouts left. But that was a big call, and those things happen. They have to happen fast, yeah. those decisions. My goodness. It ended up to be the right one, right? Oh, no question about it. And as we always know, our mantra here on the Coach Show podcast is if it works, you were right. If it doesn't, you're the village idiot. Because he could have been easily <laughs> criticized had it not worked. Had they not gone the 90 yards in a minute and two seconds, he could have been, well, Coach, you had a chance. You know, you could have backed him up, and you'd only had to have three points, and you wouldn't have had to go as far. But there yeah, wasn't, yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. and I both know probably the number yeah. one criticism, at least I remember getting it, was people love to criticize clock management. You're terrible at clock management, mainly because there's no one right answer. There's so many permutations to it that you can always be right. And, and, uh, you know, and and some people are criticizing. The only criticism I would have of of Jason Garrett and maybe the Dallas Cowboys, because most of those decisions, they weren't decisions for him. They just played the game, and it was really on Jim Schwartz. They threw the ball on third down. This is, the, this is the second to the last Correct. Series, right? This was the previous okay. series that they had. It that, was run, run, and then third and 12. Correct. And you could make a case because it was outside of two minutes. It was like two minutes and 23 seconds or something. You could make a case. Wait a minute. Run that ball, okay, and now make them use up either the two, a timeout or the two-minute warning. But by throwing the ball and stopping the clock, you gave Jim Schwartz both the two-minute warning and a timeout to orchestrate more of a game. So if there's a criticism to be labeled, because, of course, we got to criticize, I would say maybe for the play calling on that third down. Yes, be- yes, and I agree with that because the next drive, those three runs, was that was the thing to do to make them take timeouts or chew the clock down, whatever, and then, and then uh, that was good. You're right, the third and 12, because when I was watching the game, I said, just I- I'm thinking run a draw, run right. a draw, or something like that. Um, or as soon as I saw Tony go back to pass, I go, maybe this is a scramble, right? short sack. What's the difference? You're going to punt it anyway. Um, or check it down. Right. And keep Drop the it ball, off. You know, dump it off and keep the ball on the field and keep the clock moving. But he sailed that thing out of bounds. It's like, oops. Uh, you know, but third and 12 with, you know, on the other side of the two-minute warning, I guess Jason's going to say, hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying right. to convert because if we convert right there, then it's over. you know, they have, a, they have a good chance of putting this thing away. Um, it didn't work out because it was incomplete. And so we're going to talk about it, right? Well, you, you know, and you and I are playing fantasy decisions here. Let's talk to a guy. We got a chance to sit down and visit with John Fox. He's making these decisions for real. Let's listen to what John had to say. First down for the Broncos. They set up the screen to Moreno. Moreno to the end zone. And welcome to the party, Vaughn Miller. And that is intercepted. Rogers Cromarty to the end zone. Down 21 to 7, the Denver Broncos reeled off 38 straight points and stormed back for a 45-21 win over the Washington Redskins. And joining us now is the head coach of those Broncos, John Fox. Coach, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Appreciate you having me on, Brian. You know, it's been a while since we've talked. I've been interesting from a coaching perspective. We all make our name on one side of the ball or the other, and you had defensive-dominated teams in Carolina. But obviously with Peyton Manning, the offense you got now, have you had to, you know, physically change your thinking a little bit strategically in terms of the way you do some things on game day? Uh, No doubt. You know, I think uh, whether you're going for it on fourth down or, 
you know, giving the quarterback a lot of flexibility and you know, the, uh, the opportunity to check plays. Uh, you know, Peyton's probably as good as there is uh, in that area. So, you know, we've uh, opened it up, and uh, when you got a guy like Peyton Manning at quarterback, it's easy to do. Yeah, I, I, I know you defensive coaches. You catch yourself, <laughs> say, going for it sometime and turn around going, I can't believe I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah, you do have to change. And, uh, uh, you know, again, you're always trying to do as a coach, trying to do or put your players in the best position to have success. And uh, in our case, uh, throwing the ball, uh, we're pretty good at it. You know, every quarterback I've ever had, you get to that point in the season where, like every player, they can wear down. And we all know the mm-hmm. tempo that Peyton likes to have in practice. But does there get to a point, and you've been with them a year now, where it's hard, but do you have to reel him in a little bit to say, you know what, maybe you take this day off or you back off this or the other, even though he's so actively involved with practice? Yeah, we did last week. Um, you know, he had some soreness in an ankle, and uh, we rested him on Wednesday, I think, you know, he was better for it uh, for the rest of the week. You know, we've got our bye week. Uh, we're going to practice Tuesday and Wednesday. And, uh, you know, I'd say it's fair to say he's not going to get uh, maybe any reps this week uh, just to rest him. And we've got a couple guys in that department. You know, we're halfway through the season. And, you know, it's a good opportunity to rest guys up and get fresh. You know, we, it doesn't seem fair sometimes. I'm talking about the opponent now because you've got Damaris Thomas, you've got Decker, you've got Welker. And all of a sudden this Julius Thomas shows up. When did you kind of know? I know he's been around for a while. When did you have a, a sense that, ooh, this guy could be special, and, and, yeah, he's a guy we can go with? Well, Brian, it happened early. Uh, two years ago in training camp, uh, you know, he was turning people's heads. Big, you know, fast, athletic guy, big target, you know, really good ball radius. And uh, so we saw it early on, unfortunately, in the second ball game of his rookie year uh, against Cincinnati here at home. Uh, he went down with a pretty vicious uh, high ankle that really took almost a year and a half to, to heal up. So uh, we kind of thought this would be, uh, you know, his kind of breakout season, and so far it has. You know, in watching the game, I was able on my flight back, I had that Dallas-Detroit game, phenomenal game, then I got to watch the, on the flight back your game. And, and watching that thing transpire, you're down 21-7, to seven, and the thing that jumped out at me, and we've both been on teams, defensive-dominated teams, you're down 21-7, you know who, boy. This is going to be an uphill battle. But with Peyton Manning, that offensive group, there was never a blink of we're okay. We're okay by our team. That's got to be special. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, it, a similar situation happened early in the Dallas game on the road. You know, we were down 14 nothing, uh, But that was early. You know, this game was a little further along. And, uh, you know, you, you, with the time element, you get a little bit concerned. But our guys just – you know, kept grinding and, uh, you know, kept working and, uh, and really in all three phases, you know, offense, defense, and a kicking game. And, you know, we were able to dig ourselves out. Well, let's talk a little defense here because obviously uh, Jack Del Rey, doing, I think, doing a great job for you. You've had to transition with a lot of moving parts. Let's talk about Avon Miller coming back. Obviously, it's huge for you. I think people sometimes think, great, he's back. He's ready to go right now. It takes a little while to get into that groove, doesn't it? No doubt. I mean, that's why, you know, if it was that easy, we wouldn't even practice. Uh, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, he, he, he didn't have a lot of practice time those six weeks, or actually none. Uh, I mean, he, physically he was in good shape, but there's still nothing really like playing ball. I don't care how well you condition or you know, how good your strength and uh, conditioning department is, is. There's nothing like playing the game. And he was way better yesterday than he was a week ago in, uh, at Indianapolis. Do you have to kind of, you know, pull, throw that big, warm, fuzzy arm around your defense occasionally? Because when you're scoring points the way you are, that changes the complexion of the game. 
Teams got to catch up. They're throwing it a whole bunch. They're going to get some yards. They may not be able to win, but they're going to get some yards. And the numbers never look good for your defense. You got to love them up a little bit sometime going, hey, guys, don't worry about our rankings. Yeah, well, there's only one important statistic. I've always said statistics are for losers. And the only important one is those W's. And uh, I think at the end of the day, they get it. They understand people are going to play us different. Uh, you know, they are playing from behind. You know, I, I liken it to way back uh, in the Buffalo Bills days. You know, everybody used to bang on their defense. And, you know, their offense with Kelly was uh, pedal to the metal. And, you know, so statistically they didn't look as good. But, you know, they're a little better than the statistics say. Yeah. This is going to be, sound like a funny question, Coach. But, but obviously with Kansas City and they're undefeated, and I was fortunate enough to be on a Minnesota Viking team that went 15-1, and one, nothing good comes from a loss. But – the fact that you have that one loss, it removes all the side distraction of the undefeated season. And not certainly you wouldn't choose to lose that game, but does that make it a little easier, one less distraction you have to deal with? You know, our guys have been really good, Brian. I mean, we just try to get better every day, all right, and get better every week. And, you know, we, we, we've made mistakes and wins, and so uh, we don't really look so much. You know, we just work on trying to – flawlessly execute, you know, our game plans and get better every day in practice. And really, uh, you know, no matter what, what, whether you win or lose, if you just got to do the right things uh, uh, better than that given you know, opponent on that day. And so, you know, our guys are staying pretty true, uh, putting a lot into the preparation, you know, and then really, you know, keeping the focus small. And then I think at the end of the day, the results, you know, speak for themselves. So um, we've tried to just stay learning, try to try to get better, and I think our, our players have done a good job of that. Well, whatever you're doing, I'll give you a little bit of advice. Keep doing it because it looks pretty good. So we appreciate uh, you appreciate joining it. us here on the Coach Show podcast, John. I right, appreciate you having me, Brian. All, right. All the best. Thanks, Coach Fox. Always great to, to get a, a real coach's perspective. Uh, Mooch, let's talk about we're at the halfway point for most of the teams. There's a few still looking for that eighth game. Let's start with uh, at the midway point, relatively speaking, who's your best team? My best team, first of all, do you have one of these uh, NFL AM mugs, Brian? you got to no, get no, up really I'm, early. I'm down the toe. you you got more of a kind. you got to get up really early to get one of these. Okay. Be my be best I'm not team, invested enough. My best team is Seattle. And, you know, I, I like the way they play football. It's old school. It's tough. It's physical. And you know what? They're not whole yet. We, you ain't seen nothing yet. They're going to get Percy Harvin back, and they're two starting offensive tackles. I think the second half of the season they'll even be better. Yeah, that's a tough one to disagree with because I'm all about right now, and we've talked about it before, what team can I see going on the road? We know at home they're all going to be good, and that may be the key. Can Kansas City, if they have home field advantage through the playoffs, are they the best team? Seattle, if you make teams going to Seattle, my gosh, New Orleans, who's playing pretty good now, and they're under the radar, kind of like New Orleans. If you have to go into that dome in New Orleans, right now that's my biggest, that's where I have to say, okay, what team do I think has the best chance to go on the road you know, can Seattle go into San Francisco? Can San Francisco go into New Orleans? Can New Orleans go into Green Bay? Can Green Bay go into Seattle? You know, hey, I'm, I'm well, confusing you again, aren't I? You know, yeah, you know, you go so fast, Brian, you're <laughs> hyper. So, you know what? But you know, you know what? New Orleans, Seattle, San Francisco, they all play each other. It's yeah. going to be a little round-robin tournament. It's going to sort out here pretty soon. And the same is true in the AFC. I tell you the sneaky team, this is going to surprise you because I don't disagree with you, Seattle. you got to love uh, what Kansas City, and, and they're, they're the one un, undefeated team right now, so you can't discredit what they're doing. And they have a game that they can take on the road. Running the ball, good defense, smart quarterback, and Alex Smith not turning it over. So I like what they're able to do on the road. I'm going to give you a sneaky one. I tell you what, mm. these Cincinnati Bengals, because you talk about playing great defense, maybe next to Kansas City, the best 
four-man pass rush I've seen. They're running the ball with Gianardo Bernarde. He's one of your people, right? He's, he's uh, that great yeah, running back they got guy. going. You, just, you already <laughs> talked about it. Marvin Jones throwing on top of A.J. Green, on top of Gresham. And Andy Dalton's playing, you know, Alex Smith-esque type smart football. I'm not sure that uh, I'm not going to put my money on Cincinnati. Well, that's a, good, that's a good promo for our Thursday night game over there, Cincinnati at, uh, at Miami, huh? Um, Giovanni Bernard, huh? Giannar, I said, Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni, I is said. Is he there's Sicilian no re- or Italian? Which one is No it? relation to Giovanni Carmazzi, I said. <laughs> okay, so, and, that's right. And he's so short, he's never seen a parade. Um, <laughs> I, I, like, I like this Cincinnati team. They're still very young. Yeah. I think Marvin has got a good bunch Go, now and going forward, they're not going anywhere for the next few years. They've got young receivers, running backs, tight ends. The quarterback's is the third-year guy. Um, are they ready for prime time right now? I think they're going to win that division. They're going to have a home game over there in Cincinnati, I think. Um, so th- that's good. But I, I don't know if I put Cincinnati just yet in the top yeah, five. I'm, I'm reaching there a little bit. but You know, that San Francisco Marvin. team, you know, oh, yeah. and I'm not a homer. I'm, I'm not you. a homer. Nope. They're pretty good, and they've got – you know, they've got some wins in a row now. They have two games left on their entire schedule, as far as I'm concerned, that are going to be competitive. At the Saints, you mentioned it in the Dome, and then they have Seattle at home. <laughs> After that, I think they run the table, right. and so they're going to be right there now when it's all said and done. Well, that, this is shaping up to be a heck of a That a leads to me my next question, and I'll lead to it with my answer, and then I want to hear what you say. The other thing is, what was, what's been the best coaching move so far at the halfway mark? And I'm going to go to your San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> I love the fact that they kind of fell in love with some things as we all do uh, in the offseason, and they're going to do this and that with Kaepernick and spread it out and realize, you know what, no, let's go back. They, they recrafted Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, and obviously Jim Harbaugh said, no, nah, let's go back to that formula that worked for us last year. Let's get back to the power running game. Let's calm down some of the formations a little bit uh, and, and, and look at what we want. We know how good Colin Kaepernick can be, but let's work within the framework of what we know that works. I think maybe that's, for my money, is the best coaching move at the midway point in terms of getting back to the really basic things that they do so well. Yeah, and because uh, they changed that first game, they threw for 400 yards, and all of a sudden now they're completely committed to smash mouth. I, I, I agree there. You know, this team that I'm going to mention, the Raiders, now they're not a playoff team, okay? They're just a – in fact, in fact, uh, at the start of the season, I thought the Oakland Raiders – Maybe had you know, they in Jacksonville had probably the least talent on their rosters. They're building this team up. Reggie McKenzie had to sort of wipe it clean and start building from new, and and they have to make some tough decisions. And you always have to find that quarterback. Well, they let Carson Palmer go. Matt Flynn's not around. They signed him. Jason Campbell's not there anymore. I mean, they just have been looking for that guy. Okay, ever since Rich Gannon. Well, this kid named Terrell Pryor. And I'm not saying this because he ran for 93 yards and, and he looked like the fastest guy on the field. Yeah, you are. Um, okay, he is the fastest guy on the field. <laughs> and you know what? He's becoming a pretty darn exciting quarterback, and I think they've found their guy. He will have his ups and downs, yes. But he can run like a deer just like some of these other guys with Kaepernick and RG3 and all of these zone read guys, if you ask him to. He's a big, strong guy. He's, he's, uh, he's a coachable guy. And I think he's going to get better and better from the pocket, especially when they start building this team up around him. They found their quarterback. I, I can tell we're, we're, we're thinking the same way, Mooch, because you keep leading me to my next question, which is good. Because uh, along, I agree with you, Terrell Parr. I'm not necessarily bought in that he's, you know, I want a quarterback can run, not a runner that can throw, okay? And I'm not sure he's not the latter, but he's showing some signs. So I'm with you on that. Let's talk about two guys. 
and the one I'll, I'll start with uh, in our quarterback whisperer, because you're the quarterback whisperer in this group, uh, Cam yeah. Newton. I've got, I've got Carolina this week, and I've had him three times. And I am seeing, all but in his third year, a growth in Cam Newton. Mike Shula's doing a heck of a job with what they're doing. They're running the ball a little bit different than we see with these other guys. About eight, nine times a game. He's going to scramble a couple times. There'll be three or four called runs. But it's not read option. It's power. It's a power running game with him. And he's a big, powerful man. There's a calmness in him in the pocket. His ball's still a little flat for me. Not as good down the field. The ball sails on him as mechanics. But Cam Newton, boy, I tell you what, this is becoming a dangerous team. And I see the thing I'm liking, I'm seeing improvement in Cam Newton. You're right. I, and I'm seeing maturity. And we all knew he took, he took the league by storm, throwing the ball around the block and in and a big smile and all the TV commercials. And he threw for over 4,000 yards and he was still a kid. And I see him growing as a, as a man, as a quarterback, as a, uh, the voice and the face of that organization. On the field, he is becoming more poised in the pocket. You know, used to be, I don't like it. I'm out of here. I trust my legs better than my arm. Um, now I see him work through his progression. He's becoming a very good situational quarterback. They're very good on third downs now. They're very good in the red zone now. That's because you got a quarterback that's doing the right thing. We had him on the set, Brian, after the uh, Thursday night game. Hey, I took that game over for you. You know, Ron Rivera's got the streak going, right, with uh, you and okay, I? No, you can't beat my streak. I'm 3-0. Three, three and oh. You're yeah, just and I just did one, you know, and so, um, but Cam came to the set after their their win, and he's just got this uh, different approach right now. He's a very mature kid, it seems. Something like a light went on, and uh, I like where he's headed. And then you mentioned Mike Shula, you know, the tweaks to the offense. I think whether they simplified it or altered it towards uh, Cam's strengths, I don't know. But it's it, he's he's more functional. He's more consistent right now than he's ever been and I like where they're headed and let's go back to a guy because because I don't want us to be dismissive of him because we talked about Cincinnati how well they're doing and they've got Marvin Jones and they've got <clears throat> AJ Green and Grisham and and uh, your your Sicilian buddy Bernardo and they're they're running all and they're playing great defense but let's talk and Jay Bernardo it's not Bernardo it's Bernard. Giovanni Giovanni you, okay. like you always yeah. go with the so Bernard but I don't want to dismiss the fact Andy Dalton looks better as well. Now, he's got, he's got a good supporting cast, and Jay Gruden has tapped into he looks smoother, more comfortable, stronger with his shows. He's had three gay games. So I, I, don't, want to, I don't want anybody to, to dismiss the fact that we, and at least I think, Andy Dalton looks a whole lot better too beyond what's just going on around him. You know, I guess, I guess that what happens in this league, if you can keep your job long enough, you grow into that position. And quarterbacks, you know, it, it, uh, he's another, what, third-year guy, and, and uh, he's, he's becoming more polished, uh, more consistent, better in all phases, uh, spreading the ball around, uh, eliminating some mistakes. Um, he's, 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 he's a good field general, a good clock manager. All those things are coming together now in his third year. And, you know, I, I never could understand the criticism. What's wrong with Andy Dalton? Is he the guy or not? Oh, he's the guy. And he's, the, you know, 
this is Joe Flacco-like now. You're talking about yeah. as a rookie and then a sophomore, playoffs, and here they go again, playoffs. He'll have three years. And that's not easy to do at Cincinnati. I'm just saying, okay? And, you know, it, and Joe had the great, great defense over there to help him get to those playoffs. So all of a sudden, here comes Andy Dalton, and by next year, I think he'll continue to, to improve. He's going to be the next pay-the-man. And uh, I like where the kid is headed, and he works at it. He's a good uh, voice of the organization, too. And, and so, um, yeah, you're right. They, they might be one of those teams that are still standing deep into the playoffs. Okay. I, uh, on, on Wednesday, my, my piece under the headset is, is how do you manage uh, an 8-0 team? So here's what I'm doing. You know, we always talk about what do you do when you're I losing. I don't know. I never had an 8-0 team. So here's what I'm going to do. Andy, Andy Reid loves the Coach's Show podcast, so he just quit the Kansas City Chiefs because he wants to come do this podcast with me. We're going to make... Mooch, we're going to make you the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs at 8-0. You know what they got coming up. Tell me what, what you're doing with your 8-0 team. What, what's the kind of mindset? What are you doing to keep them focused and not give in to all the uh, pats on the back and the fact that everybody's making their Super Bowl reservations already? And Andy's going to do the podcast yeah, with you, Yeah, he'll be huh? doing the podcast. He wants Ratings to Ratings uh... will spike. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, well. Um, what's your hmm. approach? My approach is that I am going to continue to dwell on the little things, you know, the things that they've done well lie primarily on defense and primarily with ball security on offense. And I'm going to self-scout like crazy, and I'm going to find the areas that we need to improve on, and I'm going to keep dwelling, keep harping uh, on those things uh, to a point where we we feel like we're efficient in all areas. And I, I don't know if Andy feels like they've arrived I think I don't think he's satisfied. I think Andy feels like I would. Hey, where can we get better? And let's let's isolate those areas where we can b- get better. Whether that's throwing the ball down the field with more efficiency, or that's uh, protecting our quarterback, or whatever whatever the, those things are, they're gonna they're gonna find a way to improve those because the tough part of the schedule is coming up. Let's yeah. face it. We, and I would say to our team, we're eight no, yeah, fine. But we've had some tough games, some real ugly wins. We've got to be better in this, 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 this. And then they got one game at the Bills, and that's not going to be an easy game. And then the bye week, and boy, that bye week is going to be a lot of hard work. We'll get a, we'll get a little bit of rest, but we're going to isolate some areas that we have to get better to play the Broncos twice, to play the Chargers twice, to play the Colts. I mean, it is a tough schedule in the second half of the season. No question. And you're right. The, the, the ratings tank, so so – uh, we bring we got to bring Mooch back in the coach show, coach show podcast. So I'm going to take over as the head coach. And here's the yeah. thing: the fine line. And you're right. You're going to you're going to be. Fo- it's all about the next game. And I'm going to find every day something to go off on my team for. Whether the locker room is a little messy, or they're not busting their trays, or the DVDs aren't coming <laughs> off the rack, going, "See, oh, you guys are thinking you're too good now, huh? You don't need to do that stuff." And it would be transparent, and they know I'm doing it, but they know what we're pushing it towards. But by the same token, you still—and I was fortunate enough to be on a 15 and one team, and obviously the, we, the run we had in our Super Bowl year, where I banned the P word because I wasn't going to let them talk about the word playoff. They got fined if they used the word playoff, right? Because they had they had to earn that right. But you still want to give them that taste, don't you? Just to let them keep their eye on the prize a little bit going, you're doing good. And see, it's right there within your grasp. Now you reach for it, I'm going to smack you down. But see that it's within our grasp because you still, because boy, it sure is a nice, it, it enhances everything about the organization in terms of seeing, yeah, we're doing, don't, I'm not going to let them get too far away from, yeah, but you are doing pretty good. So you, you would just plan these, you go off on the team oh, for, for whatever reason. Brian, that reminds me, like Woody Hayes, 
you remember Woody Hayes, you're my generation. He would he would take his watch off and he would throw it down and smash it on the sidewalk or against the wall. And just because he would show that he's angry at somebody or other. And nobody knew that he had like a box of five dollar watches in his office just for show. So he could just smash watches anytime he wanted to. I always love the story. Someone's telling me about Bill Parcells. Same way they're visiting. He goes, uh, give me your, uh, it was that training camp. He goes, give me your, give me your roster. He goes, what do you need for? Don't you need? He says, yeah, I just got to decide who I'm going to go off on today. <laughs> he was just going to look down. He did not look at practice. Go, I'm going to go off on this guy today. Just that same kind of mentality. Uh, my part, favorite part of the show, because, again, I love the fact that you get to sit there and you get to watch all the games. I'm stuck on some airplane flying into L.A. Tell me, what's your biggest takeaway from the week? What jumped out at you from the weekend? You know, there are, we talk a lot about quarterbacks, and really you have to when you talk football. There are a couple of premier quarterbacks in this league, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, that are doing it. They're still doing it. They're still winning games without their guys, without their weapons. They've got young guys coming in. They've got injuries all over the place, and yet they still find a way to win football games, and that's why they get paid the most because they have the most responsibility and they have no excuses. You still have to win. I don't care if you have two, three, four receivers out. Find a way to win with the guys you have. And Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady no are question. doing that. Uh, like I said, I did get to watch that game with Minnesota and, and Green Bay. And I get to be around and see a lot of quarterbacks in the flat. You see Cam Newton. Boy, I love this guy. Oh, no, Andy Dalton. No, I really love Andy. Oh, Matthew Stafford. I love Matthew Stafford. And, boy, you see Peyton. And then I come back and I sit and watch a game with Aaron Rodgers going, no, no, no. If I got to pick one guy, I'm going to pick that guy. Pretty, pretty yeah. special. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, they got the kid. If I were to say, hey, the Green Bay Packers, and we got Boykin, and we got Miles White, and you go, who, who? Well, they had five catches each, and you don't even know who these guys are. Yeah. And, 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 and now they're running the ball a little bit, too, to make them more dangerous. You know, that we didn't mention the Packers when we start talking about all those top teams. Yeah, they're but they're sneaky. going to be in this discussion uh, here pretty Can soon. Can we get through a podcast without you bringing up Cal? Or Green Bay? Uh, you know, if, 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 a, if a Cal Bear just keeps playing well, like Marvin Jones with four touchdowns, that's going to that's gonna be, you're going to get some representation from this, Andrews. Okay. No doubt about it. Coach, that was fun. We're going to do it again next week. That'll do it for this segment of the Coach's Show podcast. Make sure you go to iTunes and download the Coach's Show podcast. We'll be right back here next week with the hot topics of the day.